Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler. My guest today is April Critchlow, Vice President of Global Customer Marketing and Diversity and Inclusion Lead at SAP Ariba, one of the largest technology companies in the world. Recently named one of the top minority executives, April's story is unique. She is one of the few women minority executives working in technology today, but as you'll hear in a moment, April is committed to changing that. April has a high-powered career doing work that she is deeply passionate about, but not that long ago, she struggled to find a deeper purpose in her work. Blessed with a successful career and beautiful family, April longed to connect the dots between her work and the unique calling God had for her life. In this episode, April shares her story and the shift that accelerated her career and her purpose. You can access the show notes for today's episode at dawnsadler.com slash 035. You'll hear more about April's story in just a bit, but first I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by The Calling Code. The Calling Code is a 10-day online course that features a God-centered approach to setting and achieving your most important goals, the things that you feel truly called to do. The Calling Code helps you break through fear, doubt, and overwhelm so you can get momentum and see results. As a thank you for being a loyal listener to this podcast, we're offering you $20 off the Calling Code when you use the promo code PODCAST. Go to donsadler.com slash calling code to get started. Also, has the Your Purpose is Calling podcast been helpful in your own business, career, or ministry? I'd love to hear your story. Your support helps us reach more people like you who are passionate about living out their own unique God-given calling. You can tell us your story by leaving a review on iTunes, which we love, by the way, or you can share your story with me directly. Just send me an email at hello at donsadler.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now, let's meet April. Hi, April. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this conversation is years and years overdue. I have had the great pleasure of knowing you for such a long time and seeing so many things happen in your life, but I sort of feel like this is the exact right moment for this conversation at the same time um, because of everything that God has been doing in your life. But um, let's just start here. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Well, I, first of all, let me just say, I'm so excited and I agree long overdue, but everything in its perfect time. Right. Um, but yeah, I am April Critchlow, uh, based here in New York city and, um, I'm a mom, um, happy wife, have two, um, small kids, Hudson and Avalon. Um, and in addition to all that, um, cause that's sort of my, you know, my primary job in life. Um, I'm also, a high-tech marketer and have been in the high-tech industry for 20 years. Um, I lead a part of our overall marketing organization uh, for SAP, um, and in particular, a brand of SAP, which is called SAP Ariba. And it is the world's largest B2B marketplace. 
where over 3 million suppliers and buyers connect and transact over $3 trillion yearly, which sounds huge, but it's true. It's actually 10% of the world's global spend in B2B. Wow. And so businesses connect on there to buy and supply everything from their company's office supplies to the raw materials to make their products. So I always, I mean, people at work hate it when I say this, but think of it as like Amazon, but for business, (laughs) So, um, but at a massive scale. Um, And in addition to that, um, and through my work with SAP Ariba, I've also had the great privilege of being the diversity and inclusion lead for our business. And through that, have led great, you know, initiatives and conversations, all from supplier diversity to ethical and diverse supply chains, um, to internally, you know, advancing a lot of our goals around diversity and inclusion. So that's me, sort of in a nutshell. Um, and you know, I'm loving it and, and loving life right now in, in this lane and in this role. So um, I want to bring something up that I I never have brought up on a podcast, but I want to talk about your ethnicity. Since you are involved in um, inclusion and diversity, uh, tell us a little bit about your about your background. Yeah, well, I was born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, and have um, you know lived most of my life out in uh, out in Vancouver, um, and moved to New York um, ten years ago with my husband Lincoln. Um, but a big part, so I identify definitely as being Canadian and, you know, now living in America. Um, but you know, my family heritage is Filipino. And so my family, my mom and my dad are both, um, from the Philippines, from Manila. And so I really do identify with a lot of that culture and the beauty of that culture, um, and I'm really proud of being able to represent as a diversity and inclusion lead within our business, you know, where women are underrepresented, but also a lot of underrepresented minorities. You don't see a lot of women or a lot of people like me in various parts of our business. And so that is something that I'm extremely proud of because a lot of what has made me, me, you know, has really been rooted in the, the values of, you know, my culture of um, being Filipino, and that's, you know, faith and family, education, um, a lot of joy in Filipino culture, which I think translates to many parts of my life. And so, um, so yeah, that's a bit about my background. Yeah. So I am just wondering, growing up in Vancouver, um, as you mentioned, you've been in uh, tech for 20 years. You're an executive. You were recently named one of the top 100 minority executives. Um, Was this your dream when you were growing up? Is this what you had set your sights on? Tell me how you ended up in this work. Yeah. (laughs) You know, growing up, it wasn't my dream, which is actually funny now that I think about it. Um, Growing up, I had really thought about a couple of careers. Um, You know, initially, and, you know, going back to the Filipino culture thing, a lot of Filipino parents really want you to end up in industries like being a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you know, because they're sort of, you know, very um, prestigious and, you know, um, there's, it requires a lot of education and in the community, it's really well esteemed. So for a, a big part of my childhood, I really wanted to go down the doctor path, but quickly realized I'm not at all, um, equipped to be a doctor because I hate the sight of blood and everything like that. Um, <laughs> and then I started to, um, in college, cause I had done my first year, 
you know, in college, focusing a lot on, you know, biology and chemistry and just realize it really wasn't me. Um, I saw a lot of people really excel in that because it was their gift and it wasn't me. So I I did a complete, you know, turnaround and did a year. I don't think I've ever shared this before, but I did a year of um, uh, sort of education in fashion marketing. Um, which was such a different, oh yeah, just such a, I mean, not that I've never shared it, I never talk about this now that I think about it, did a year of fashion marketing and loved it um, because it really brought out the creative marketing and communication side of me. Plus I love fashion, but living in Vancouver, there really wasn't, you know, a lot of opportunity um, in that, in that field. And so kind of shifted a bit and went into more into marketing and communications and finished my degree in that. And that's when I really started to realize, you know, uh, what I love to do is about telling stories, is about building, you know, markets and figuring out how to promote and sell, you know, within those markets and to tell those, you know, unique stories of value and of value proposition. So, over the years, that kind of turned into my first um, internship um, in a marketing and communications role at a tech company. And I started to really see, you know, the value and the power of technology, you know, coupled with the power of creativity and telling unique stories. And that's sort of how I ended up um, you know, going from, you know, a dream of being a doctor, which I quickly realized was not the path for me. Um, and then ending up in sort of this tech marketing background. And also, did I ever think that the diversity aspect would have been part of that? Not at all. Um, so it wasn't my dream, in all honesty, but it feels like my dream now, you know, because I'm absolutely loving what I'm doing. And it's sort of what I imagine, but not quite in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea about that fashion marketing background. Yeah. I actually just, I really, Donna, I've, I've actually forgotten about that until like, you know, this conversation. So, and, and now that I think about it, it's sort of come full circle because a lot of the discussions we're having now, you know, in terms of supplier diversity or in terms of gender equality are with a lot of fashion brands. So it's like I got there, but in a kind of a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, uh, so you started with SAP and we're going to, for this, there's so much that we could talk about. There's so much wisdom you have to share. We're going to, we're going to start the conversation today about four years ago, because there were some really interesting things that I, that I, I think happened at that time we were talking a little bit yeah. about before. Um, but tell us, uh, what were you doing at SAP at that time, four years ago? Yeah. So four years ago, I was in um, a marketing role at SAP that was focused on, you know, our small business market and our partner kind of relationships in that market. And I had been doing that quite some time. You know, when I had moved to uh, New York in 2010, so we've been in New York about uh, 10 years. At that time, I had a, a, had you know, moved to New York for that specific role and had been doing it for about six years or so. And I started to kind of think about, you know, because, you know, when you start to do something for a long time, it makes you think about, should I still be doing this? Um, Does it feel like I'm still learning? Does it feel like this is truly what I'm called to do? And I started to sort of get to that point where I was feeling a little bit restless. And, you know, we live, you know, downtown in Battery Park City. 
and are fortunate to have this, you know, gorgeous view of um, the city. And when you look out, it's this like classic iconic view of New York where it's, you know, the Empire State Building, you can see the river and Hudson Yards and, you know, all of Midtown. Um, And I would look at that view every day and start to sort of ask myself the question, like, you know, Lord, why do you have us here? You know, why are we here? Why did we make this move? Because around that time, Don, I was sort of feeling like, hey, I could do this job anywhere. It's not really making that much of a difference that I'm in New York. And certainly we were involved in church life and serving and in ministry. So that part of it was, you know, definitely there. But from a work perspective, I started to think about, you know, is this really still it? You know, because when you're in New York around six, seven years, I think you, everybody starts to ask that question. And I said, you know, God, I just would love a word. Like, give me a word that will help me anchor, you know, the why of why we're here. And I'd look out and be like, why New York? Why have you placed us here? It's not the easiest place in the world to live. You know, it's expensive. It's crazy. Um, certainly, if you have kids, there's a whole other element. And so I started to think about that and pray about it and meditate. And, you know, God in all his goodness, you know, kind of gave me two verses that came to mind and two words that came to mind um, around this. And it was around the time of a big milestone birthday for me as well. And he gave me a verse around um, rain in life. And it was really cool because I had sort of, you know, heard about this verse through various like teachings and things like that, but it kind of came back to mind. And it's from Romans 5.17. And it says, all who receive God's abundant grace and are freely put right with him will rule or reign in life through Christ. And that just started to resonate. Like I've called you to reign. And therefore, if he's called you to reign, he's going to give you the tools and you know, the placement and the position, you know, to be able to do that for his glory and for his kingdom. And then the other one that he gave me was from 1 Corinthians 7, 17. And it was around living as you are called. And the verse goes, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him or her, you know, walk. And that's all about walk in a way that God has called you to live. Don't look to the left or to the right and and be uniquely living life and walking as God has called you to live. So those two verses for me were hugely pivotal in that around that time I was really asking these questions and God gave me the answer. I think when you ask God, you know, he'll give you that answer. And I started to sort of shift just my mindset and my perspective. And it was almost like my eyes were opened to, you know, what God was trying to say that you are called to be in this city. I didn't bring you here for you to just feel like you could do this anywhere. There's a unique reason why you're here and it's got to be New York. It's nowhere else, you know? And so the reigning in life and living as you are called, it was just the perfect way that God started to speak to me. And I started to sort of, it was a change of viewpoint, you know, for me, Don, in terms of you know, I started to let go of things like comparison or thinking about how far other people were ahead of me or what title I didn't have that I felt like I deserved I had or, you know, why wasn't I getting, you know, the same kind of benefits or compensation as other people. And you start to go down those routes, especially in corporate America, because it's so competitive. And I feel like all of that really shifted for me um, in and around that time that I got those two sort of verses or words from the Lord. 
You know, I think the thing that the reason that it was so important to me to have you on the show is I think that because I remember this, we had a, we've talked about this many times. We had a conversation on a bench, mm-hmm. um, next to the water, uh, right yes. about that time. Uh, and I remember that. And, and there's so many people who, that I talk to and, and I've experienced my, this myself and we start to feel restless and we think, oh, that must mean it's time to move on. And I yes. think that your your story is so great because it's, well, what if the gold is actually here? What happens if I stay and trust God through this restless season and, you know, not jump ship, not take a detour? Because it's so tempting to want to do that, right? It's so tempting when we're having those questions to feel like the answer is a change of scenery, mm-hmm. a new boss, a new job, a new role, a new title. And you stayed, you trusted God and you stayed right where you were. It's obviously a fantastic company to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, but things really started to shift for you yeah. at that moment, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. So- and I think the difference is, you know, it's okay to wrestle and to feel, you know, how we feel. But I think it's so important to lay those feelings or those questions, um, you know, emotions, whatever it may be, at the feet of the Lord and at the feet of Jesus. Because then it's sort of like partnering with him to say, I'm not just feeling these things and I'm going to go and make a decision based on my humanness, which we can all do. But when you lay it at his feet, I think he truly does give you the answer And for me, I did that. And mind you, this didn't happen overnight. This was through many, almost, I want to say kind of years, because I had been thinking about it for a while, but the many months of sort of asking that question. And it did start to shift um, when I stayed the course um, and got that confirmation that the restlessness was not just a, a sign that you're supposed to leave, but a sign that God is trying to do something in you you know, and I sort of felt like, and I've talked about this before, it was a true sort of convergence moment for me because all the things that I cared about in terms of ministry, serving, you know, purpose, you know, and things that I was personally passionate about, whether it was mentorship or bringing up women in the workplace or underrepresented groups in the workplace, they were all things that started to converge in terms of my actual role and title, you know, at SAP. And, you know, for those of you that don't know SAP, SAP is a massive organization, you know, 100,000 employees, $25 billion in revenue, um, almost a $300 billion market cap. It's a big company. And so it can feel kind of like, oh, what am I doing here? (laughs) You know, and how am I making a difference? But all the things, and, you know, again, because I had to sort of ask the Lord, okay, I'm going to stay the course show me what to do. I'm going to surrender all the things that I care about, you know, in terms of position and title and influence and where I should be. I started to surrender surrender to those things and I started to see a convergence of all the things that I actually did care about and where God started to align it with position and authority at work. And it was a huge shift because the moment that that sort of convergence and that surrender started to happen was when it truly did start to come together. And I think about the last couple of years of my life and all of the things that God 
has done. I mean, they're God moments, Don. Like they're not things that I could even, if I thought back to 20 years when I was first starting out, they're not things that I would ever even imagine could like come up, you know, like, and whether that's, you know, the opportunity to, you know, speak at the United Nations on some of these topics on gender equality or, um, recently this year I was at Ken Lyons, which is the world's, you know, biggest festival on, on creativity and was representing for our business there. I mean, huge opportunity. Um, last year I was able to speak on the power of diversity and inclusion live from the, uh, trading floor of the stock exchange. And my dad came with me, which was like a dream come true, you know? Yeah. Like working with, um, female founders and startups and, incredible brands, um, that are all things that, you know, in never in my wildest dreams, I would have thought, you know, would be opportunities for me. And plus, you know, you know, the shift in terms of the right position and, you know, getting the favor financially, you know, that, you know, I had always like felt like I was striving for, they were all just things that kind of came together, um, and, and really rapidly, Dawn, and in a, in a real kind of favor way. And like my husband, <laughs> Lincoln's like, gosh, he's like, this just feels like favor upon favor, like growing from like feeling like there was nothing happening to kind of things happening all the time now. And I really do credit that to a shift in our sort of, you know, faithfulness, a shift in our surrender to, the, to what the God wants to do, letting go of the control and allowing him to kind of give you that sort of convergence moment. And I really do feel like it's the most alive I've ever felt at work, you know, really feel like all the gifts and talents that I have um, truly are converging with the power of working in a big corporate tech company like SAP. So, so yeah, it's a, it's been it's been a true shift on, and um, and it's it's nothing that I ever would have thought you know would happen to me. Do you feel like I don't want to put words in your mouth? So correct me if if this doesn't sound right. But do you feel like the restlessness that was happening was God saying you are exactly where I want you to be, but you are focused on the wrong thing? Um, in terms of not that you were doing anything wrong at the time, but just focused on sort of status and title and stuff. And the restlessness was a call to just, you know, like you said, refocus the why of, of where he had placed you in that moment. Do you think that that's what that restlessness was about? Yes, absolutely. I think there was a real shift of, um, you know, again, and I almost like kind of feel embarrassed to say it, but, you know, I was getting into a lot of like comparison with, you know, where I thought I should be or comparison with, um, you know, what I thought, um, my position should be or feeling like behind and all of these things. And it was, I mean, it was focused on the wrong thing, you know, cause I think we're all called to live in the lane, the unique way that God has sort of created us to live. And, we all, I think, can sometimes look to the left and to the right. And in the world of Instagram and social media, it's so easy to get caught up in how good someone else's life looks and where am I and and comparing to that. And so, and yeah, I still struggle with that sometimes in all honesty, you know, but, um, and I always was wondering, is that just my ambition or do I have a problem, (laughs) you know? And, you know, and I think, you know, my husband Lincoln, who's much wiser than me, he's like, you know, when it starts to feel like, you know, it goes from that aspirational feeling to comparison is probably where 
it's not the right thing and it's not from God. It wasn't aspiration anymore. It was feeling like comparison and it was, you know. And so I think that when I started to focus on the right things to 100%, you know, agree with what you said, then it felt a lot more freeing and it felt a lot more like, okay, now God can really do what he wants to do because he was focused more on my identity and focused more on me focusing on what he's called me to do instead of, you know, those other things. And I feel like God in all of his goodness knows the right time to um, give us, you know, the blessing, give us the favor so that we can handle the weight of the things that he wants us to do. That kind of favor or that kind of blessing on the wrong foundation, I could have taken, you know, a different way and credited that to me <laughs> or to, right. you know, other things. Right. So I think, yeah, totally. It was a very humbling and very, um, you know, just pivotal moment for me in terms of like, just kind of get over yourself really. (laughs) So, Right. It's all about posture, right? Like just, he didn't need to shift you to a different place or a different job. It was just, sometimes he just needs to shift our posture, the posture of our heart so that he can do the things, yeah, that he wants to do. We'll return to my interview with April Critchlow in just a moment. But first, I want to let you know that I have a free gift for you. Have you ever struggled with procrastination or just want a better way to organize your day? Our Peak Page is a free daily planning tool that is actually six different high-performance productivity tools on one page. The Peak Page makes it easy to plan your time, your tasks, and your goals each day so you have more time, more energy, and better results. More than a 1,000 people have already downloaded the Peak Page to create more success in their day. To get your own copy of the Peak Page for free, visit avadacoaching.com peak. And now, back to my interview with April Critchlow. Something else that I thought was really interesting, I remember from a conversation um, uh, that we had a while ago, was I want to talk a little bit about mindset because, Mm -hmm. again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that you had um, at one time just did not believe that you could run a business unit. You just did not believe that that was for you. That was for mm-hmm. somebody else. And now you do run a business unit, if I have that right. So talk to talk to us a little bit about the importance of just a mindset shift and understanding that God is bigger than, you know, everything else. Nothing is too hard for him. And just readying our minds for the fact that God can bring us more than we can ask or imagine. Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I think that, you know, when you sort of sit back and map out your your dreams and your kind of career or work path, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or in, you know, the work world um, corporately, you can, you know, plan it all out and you think about, okay, what are the steps I'm going to take to one day, you know, lead a business unit or one day be you know, um, a CMO or to be the president of this business or whatever it may be. And I, over the years, have really um, had to sort of unpeel layers of sort of my heart and sort of my identity and, 
<laughs> that struggle, I think I really have always struggled with this feeling of like comparison and always feeling kind of not good enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about even something just as basic as speaking, you know, like even just me being on this podcast today, when I was first starting out, I would run from opportunities to speak. Like I would make up excuses. I would, you know, <laughs> I would try to get out of it because I just hated the idea of speaking, you know, in front of other people. And that was something that was the first step of where God started to give me a vision of what he's called me to do and to represent, you know, him, you know, my company, the kingdom, you know, my family, what my church, whatever it may be, and how there is a voice there that he wants to use. And that was, you know, unpeeling, you know, again, of, you know, you know, believing in myself and asking for God's confidence and boldness in those situations. So that's sort of one example at a, you know, at this like smallest level of when I started to realize I had issues with, you know, not, not ever feeling adequate enough. And then as I started to, you know, mature in this and realize and start to hear from the Lord in terms of, you know, big dreams that I've had, you know, in terms of leadership or of leading, you know, major aspects of the business. Um, again, I think it's about, you know, really understanding, you know, that when we take the, let's say the pressure or the focus off of ourselves and our selfishness, what we think we are and all all those things and start to think of a a bigger reason, you know, why God has placed us into these spheres of influence or in these companies. That really helped me um, to, to take that, you know, focus off of myself. And then also really thinking about, you know, if he has placed you somewhere, you know, the Lord will really bless you in that place as well. Um, I thought about a big meeting that I had that I'd never been in, and it was a very significant boardroom with a significant customer of ours. And I thought about the people that were in that room, and I didn't feel like I was worthy to be in that room. And I was like, why would I, I don't get why I would be there. Um, You know, why, like it just, you know, again, that feeling of inadequacy. And until this day, this was about two years ago, um, I just got this word from the Lord where it it said, you know, I'm placing you there. So therefore the people that I'm putting you, you know, in in the same sort of circles and um, meetings as, they're actually going to be, blessed because you're bringing the kingdom, you're bringing the spirit of God, you're bringing kingdom value and purpose into business. So flip the script and think of it the other way. Like don't think about, you know, how you are positioned, but more so how God is positioning you in these places. And so that has been really helpful for me, Don, to, again, take my, my mind and my sort of focus, again, your posture um, away from you know, those um, kind of things and really think about, you know, where where God has placed you, he will allow you to excel. And as I think about other things that God's putting on my heart about more leadership and about bigger things he wants me to do, it's the next evolution for me on thinking about um, his placement and not my own. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I think that the four most powerful words to overcome fear and not feeling good enough are, it's not about you. (laughs) I have to say those things to my, I have to say those words to myself all the time. Like it's not about you get over yourself. Um, and it's, it's, 
it's so harsh, but it's so helpful. Right. And when we get that, it's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? It's so true. Cause I think again, in our humanness, we can always focus on ourselves. And if we take a step back and look at the bigger picture of what God wants to do and how he's using us in that, it's, it just makes it a lot easier. And just knowing that where he's placed you, he's going to prepare and, and bless you in that place. Yeah. So yeah, totally agree. Well, speaking of that, it's so interesting, again, sort of thinking about the last four years and um, there's what has happened nationally and globally with the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement and um, equality in the workplace and all of these things that are sort of happening around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And you are uniquely placed at one of the biggest companies in the world and you really have uh, are taking a lead in inclu- inclusion and diversity. Yes. Um, in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit about that work. Yeah. And again, this has all been part of my convergence moment at work because it's sort of a role that I was asked to take on, you know, by our president um, that's adjacent to my day-to-day life as a marketer. You know, and people were asking me, oh, do you work in HR now? And I'm like, no, I'm still in marketing. But this topic of diversity and of inclusion is an imperative for all businesses. And the more that we align it to business goals um, in any organization, I think it's it's for the greater good of the world, but the also businesses have the power to move these topics forward. And so my role is really focused, you know, internally, how do we grow the number of women in leadership um, in tech today? It's most companies are under 30 percent of women in leadership. So we have an overall goal um, to increase um, the share and the women in leadership um, to 30% by 2022. Um, and we're hovering just under that. Um, it's also about how do we represent underrepresented groups, um, differently abled people, and then also look at generational intelligence. It's the first time in our history that we have five generations working together. Wow. And so yeah. So how do millennials support older generations and how do older generations, um, you know, mentor and support younger generations? It's a huge topic. And I think, you know, as companies, it's our responsibility to think about how do we do reverse mentorship and how do we take the beauty out of every generation and make it all come together? So those are the sort of big pillars, whether it's gender, you know, we have an amazing autism at work program. Um, we're also focused again on that generational piece I mentioned and then underrepresented groups, um, you know, and another part of it as well is that as we think about the world of startups and female founders, um, huge topic in the tech world, um, cause today female founders only receive one to 2% of all VC funding. And if you're a woman of color, it's 0.00. Zero three percent, um, and so I think that wow. we need to start thinking about. And technology is in this unique position, where you know I think it goes back to like you know um, school days, you know where I think we tend to have discussions of where you know certain um, studies are for boys and certain studies are for girls. And I think there's a big discussion now on how does it become, how does tech, you know, the STEM. Um, related uh, topics, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, but there's also STEAM now, which is arts also included in there. How do we make this something that can be for girls and boys as they, you know, grow up? And and how do we make it be something that would be, um, 
an interest from both sides um, and, and, and start to think about how do we bring in um, more women into, you know, tech dominated, um, to start into tech fields that have been dominated by men. And so I think, I really do think it's um, the part of a huge sort of uh, movement right now in terms of where do we start to bring up, um, you know, conversations that have not happened and groups that have been underrepresented. Um, but I really think it's important as we think about these things and I've seen every conversation under the sun, you know, related to diversity and inclusion, but time and time and again, where I see the most change happen is when there's unity in terms of women and men working together. You know, if we have a gender inequality gap in terms of pay or roles, it works better when it's men and women talking about this together and where can men be allies and where can women bring their, um, you know, uh, their point of view. Um, and whatever the conversation is, the more and more that I see the, the unity in those discussions, it's been hugely encouraging to see where actual change happens. And I think at SAP, we, we're in this unique position in that we have a lot of leadership um, culture that allows these conversations to happen in a really positive way. So uh, I think all of that's brilliant. I'm wondering if you think about all of the uh, people who are working at your level in tech, just in general, and then how many of those are women, and then how many of those are minority women. Hopefully those numbers become much larger uh, over the next few years, and I know that's what you're working on, but right now it's, it's, it's very unusual. Um, and you're also a woman of faith. So I just think about all of the women who are looking up to you. <laughs> and I know this because we go to the same church and they tell me all the time. But, um, but I, just, I just kind of wonder, as, as somebody who's in this role, and it's, it's very unusual as a, a minority woman in a high-tech, uh, high-level role who is also a Christian, what do you think your responsibilities are? Or do you even think about that? Is it like, I'm just, I'm just trying to get through the day, Don. I want to think <laughs> about the big global <laughs> impact. Um, but what do yeah. you, what do you, how do you, how do you carry or how do you feel about mm -hmm. that responsibility? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great uh, question. I think that again, wherever God has placed you, I think you have to look at, and this sort of reminds me of this moment I had, you know, around four years ago where I started to think about like, you know, what is my purpose? And I, I always thought, oh, my purpose is going to be something different than work. You know, it's going to be something different. And again, this convergence happened when I realized my purpose as a woman of faith and um, also being in the tech world actually comes together because God has put me in this industry. Um, and I think now about how do I use my, you know, power capital in a way, um, being in a company that has huge power from a financial perspective, mm -hmm. from an influence perspective, from a people perspective, and then just continually ask God, like, you know, what do you want me to do, Lord? You know, as I think about these, some of these inequalities that exist, is there ways that I can help Ri women rise, you know, in these, in these situations. Um, because I do feel like it's the father's heart to bring, you know, um, reconciliation, you know, where women have not had the opportunity or, or other groups have not had the opportunity to be represented. Um, and so 
I just feel like wherever I can use the platform that he's given me, the voice that he's given me, it might not necessarily always come out like directly sounding like Christian, you know, but in a way, the values of unity, the values of um, moving, you know, people forward, of giving people opportunities, um, you know, to reconcile people to, you know, what their calling is and what their gift is. I think that that can all happen in the workplace. And, and for me in particular, um, from a technology perspective, um, I think I'm in that unique position to do it with what God has put in my hand. So I just feel like no matter where you are, you know, God will always give you an opportunity. I think also, you know, even though, you know, in the corporate world, we often don't talk about religion or faith, you know, people know that I am a Christian. And so there's been many situations, just even on my teams or in people that I've talked to, where people will see, you know, how you live and how you you know, conduct yourself in life. And so there's been many opportunities where I've prayed for people at work. And, you know, when you're at work, you go through the best of times and the worst of times with people, whether it's celebrating, you know, weddings and engagements and babies to, you know, talking about hard things like health and death in the family or, you know, relationship breakups and things like that. And so I think it's interesting that when people see how you kind of live your life and the fruit of your life, you know, you can also be sort of a living testimony to people in terms of, you know, tough things that happen at work. And so I've often found myself in situations where people are like, hey, can you like talk about this? (laughs) Or, you know, I am really struggling with this. And, you know, I know you're a Christian, so would you pray for me? Like, you know, so that doesn't happen all the time, Dawn, but I think there's been unique opportunities where I think, you know, my responsibility um, as a person of faith has showed up in small ways, you know, behind the scenes with people on a one-on-one level but also in big ways in terms of the the kind of voice and the kind of values that I represent, you know, for God in, in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Um, in the time that we have, I want to talk a little bit. I just want to kind of go back to that, that idea of staying the course of that restlessness of that time when, um, you know, there's this old story. I don't know if it's true. You may have heard mm-hmm. it about the um, about the miner, the gold miner who dug and dug and dug for years and years and years and then yes, gave up. Yes, yes. And somebody bought that land and it turned out he was three inches from the from the vein of gold. And I I I feel like there's such a such a, a parallel to your story, right? Like you were so close to um, to the gold, the gold being working at even more in your calling and having this bigger impact and fulfilling some of the dreams that you had for your career. And so for somebody who's in their job right now, they're feeling restless and they don't know, mm-hmm. is this a restlessness mm-hmm. that is calling me to leave? Or is this a restlessness that is just about shifting the posture of my heart and how to make a difference? What are, what are maybe three pieces of advice you would give to somebody who's finding themselves in that situation right now? Yeah, I, yeah, no, it's, it's so true. I think we can be so close and we can miss out, um, with what God really has planned for us. If we don't, I think number one, truly, and I said it earlier, I think 
it's okay to wrestle with the feelings. It's okay to wrestle with the questions, but you have to go back to God, you know, and you have to really seek his answer, you know, his word. And for me, just knowing how I can be very indecisive. (laughs) So I ask God, I need to hear like almost audibly or in some way, just have a sign or a word that this is the the path you have me on. And so whatever that looks like for you, I would say number one is going to God and asking him for confirmation. And for some people, it could be, I need to hear a word or I need, um, and it doesn't always happen, but you know, like, or I need something Lord, to give me that, that affirmation, that confirmation. I think it's, it's very dangerous when we just wrestle with those feelings and not truly and authentically bring it back to the Lord. So I think that's one. And for me, like I mentioned earlier, it was about two distinct verses and words that he reminded me of, of why I'm here. Um, second, I would, after that, I would maybe check with wise counsel. I think we often go to counsel first. Like, let me ask my friends about this or let me ask my pastor about this. Because, we, you know, you kind of want someone to give us affirmation on something we might be thinking in terms of am I on the right path or not. Um, I think that's also a good way to work out, you know, what God might be putting on your heart. And I think if it's someone that you trust, like a really good friend or a pastor, you know, Christian counsel of some sort, that can always be a sounding board for you because someone might go, whoa, no, like I don't see that at all. And here's reasons why. But I think it's important to go to the Lord first, then have that counsel um, and and to kind of just to get that checkpoint. You know, I think sometimes we can make decisions, um, big decisions about our life in a vacuum um, because we're convinced that it's the right way. And I, I really think it's important to have people in your life that you can trust and be in that circle to kind of give you a check because they might see things that you don't see. And I try to do that, you know, for our friends and our family. Um, and oftentimes people don't see the gold. Um, sorry, the person who's on the path doesn't see the gold, but other people do. And they might be like, no, you're so close, you know, just Mm. keep going, keep going. Um, So, and then the third one, I mean, I think it's always just good to just be um, immersed in, in prayer about it, you know, because I think if it's this constant, you know, question um, for you, and I don't know if it always comes in this big epiphany or this big audible voice, but sometimes also just the constant never ceasing prayer and the things that God will download to you in that time, I think is, is really, really important as well on, on staying the course because I, more often than not, it's not a big epiphany for me. It's something that slowly, I think God reveals through the course of, of prayer and asking. So, um, so yeah, those, that would be one of the three things I would think about. Do you ever stop and think, man, what would have happened if I had left back then? Look at all this stuff I would have missed out on. I do because I'm loving like, you know, what I'm doing now. And I think about the impact that it's had just in the world and in our community and the things that God has done. Um, I would have missed out. Absolutely. You know, and I, who knows what I'd be doing, but yeah, I'm glad we stayed. (laughs) I feel so, um, I feel so honored because we've been friends now for seven years and I've had a chance to sort of sit on the sidelines and see all of this unfold in your life and just really the meteoric rise in the last two years. Um, 
and by rise, I mean also just the depths of the work that you're doing and how happy and fulfilled you are. And like you said, just finding that moment of convergence where everything came together um, has been just, it's been so beautiful and inspiring for for me to see. And I'm so grateful to you for for just sharing and and your generosity and sharing that story to inspire others who might oh, be in that same place. Such a pleasure. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. We want to uh, wrap up. We always like to wrap up with our final five, five questions designed to further resource our listeners. And we'll start with, other than the Bible, what is one book that changed your life and why? Yes, I would have to say it is um, Expect to Win by Carla Harris. Um, She is vice chairman at Morgan Stanley. She is a powerhouse, also a woman of faith, a woman of color, but her book completely changed my view on how to win as a woman, uh, as anyone really, but for me being a woman, a minority woman in the workplace. I read it at a time when I was just finding my confidence, like I was telling you, as a speaker and as a leader. And she has really sound wisdom, like practically on just, you know, how to have things like your own personal board of directors and how to have sponsorship, mentorship, and advisors at the workplace. And I mean, she is amazing. If you don't know her, um, definitely recommend the book and also to follow her and all the stuff she does. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. Um, what is one podcast that you're listening to now and why? Yes. Well, other than yours, of course, um, (laughs) I really love how I built this by Guy Raz on NPR. Um, I think whether you're an entrepreneur or not, it's hugely motivating to learn the stories of the ups, the downs, the challenges, the disasters of starting a business. And, um, and I know you have something very similar, you know, I think there's such power in listening to how you turn an idea into reality. And I often count myself as an entrepreneur within SAP. I work in a corporate context, but I'm always pushing and um, even pushing my teams on how do we come up with something that's different? How do we come up with a vision for a gap in the marketplace? How do we fill an experience gap that's not fulfilled today. And I count that as being sort of entrepreneur versus entrepreneur. Um, and I think that mindset, no matter where you go, is is hugely important, um, no matter what you do. So How I Built This by Guy Raz, it's awesome. That's my favorite too. I love that one. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, it really is. What is your favorite Bible verse and why? Yeah, so it is Philippians 4, 4 to 8. And This year, I started to read the Passion Translation of it, and um, it's really resonated with me because in the last number of years, it has been overwhelming, you know, as a working mom, managing the balance of work life, family life, um, just life in general. And it talks about not being pulled in every direction, but to be saturated in prayer each day. And the game-changing part for me was to tell him every detail of your life. And I never talked to God like that. I would often talk to him sort of in overall view. But as I started to get detailed, like you'd talk to like a best friend or a brother and almost like talking to Jesus, like he's your brother or friend. And it says in the Bible that he is, is. like he's your companion. You're supposed to communicate with him. What you unpack with God by 
getting into the details, like nitty gritty, has been huge because it also impacts my heart in terms of what I'm feeling because I can tend to suppress feelings down. And as I started to get into that detail, I mean, this verse has been huge for me. So Philippians 4, 48. That's great. What is the best business advice you ever received? Do what you can with what you have in your hand. I think it's really easy to look again just because of someone who, hey, this comparison 101, you know, it's so easy to look at what other people are doing and, you know, what they have, or if I had that title, or if I had that budget, or if I had that life, I could do so much more. But I think my mentor um, has said to me, focus on what you are doing and focus on doing that to the best of your ability. And no matter what you have, budget-wise, people-wise, you know, opportunity-wise, if you focus on what you have in your hand and figuring out the best way to make that amazing, that is what will allow you to rise in any situation. So um, that would be my advice. That's great. And you have given us so much great advice in this episode, but if you were to give one piece of advice to a woman starting or anyone starting out their career in corporate life, what one piece of advice would you give them? I think it would really be around building, it's kind of like two pieces of advice, but it's building your personal brand, you know, focus on what you uniquely do and what is and unique to you in terms of your identity and your gifts. Again, moving away from comparison and what other people do, what do you do that is so amazing? And do that to the best of your ability. And then once you know what that is, build a personal board of directors. So it could be people that coach you, advise you, mentor you, and most especially sponsor you in terms of you know, knowing who you are and all the great things that you do, you need people around you that believe in you and know what that personal brand is. And I think the more that you build your own personal sort of board that advises you and coaches you in the, in the work world, um, I think it's just hugely, um, valuable to have that. I don't think we can go it alone. And I think you need those people around you that see that gold and tell you to keep going and tell you not to give up, and tell you not to compare, and tell you to focus on what makes you uniquely you. And that's when I think you start to reach those convergence moments and those moments of soaring um, in your life and in your career. I love that. And would you say that the best way to find someone who will encourage you and and speak words of uh, over you, um, positive words over you, that the best way to find those people is to be that person for somebody else? Absolutely. Because I think early in my career, I had people that did this for me. And because I've been so grateful um, and it's like you pay it forward, I've been, I've seen the value of having, you know, that coaching and that mentorship and people who will pay it forward for you. Um, So I do it very naturally because it's a gift that I've been given. And I find that through that, so many things um, get uncovered in terms of opportunities and discussions and connections. Because I think when you're generous with what you have um, and you're generous with your time and your your gifts and your talents, I mean, it, it really does bring more of that in, in terms of honor and of favor and of blessing in your life. So absolutely agree. Yeah, that's so great. April, do you mind saying a prayer over our listeners before we wrap up? Absolutely. 
Um, all right. So Father God, I just thank you so much for this time. And I thank you, Lord, for Don, who has created time and space and place to be able to share what you want to share, God, with the world and with the listeners of this podcast. I pray, God, that every um, thing that has been discussed, Lord, would be used as seed in your kingdom. I pray that someone listening would have a word in season, that they'd have an encounter, God, and there, there would be something just uniquely for them and everything that was discussed, not only in this podcast, but all the podcasts that are, are being um, led by Dawn in this way. And I just pray, Lord, that for anyone that might be struggling with, you know, their place in life, you know, with comparison, with not feeling like it's enough, I pray, God, that they would continue to have long obedience in the same direction and that they would truly, God, just seek your face as they journey and as they build, Lord, what you have called them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. April, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Donna. I had a great time. Thank you again. I'd like to thank my guest, April Critchlow, for joining me today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find April online at donsadler.com slash 035. If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. This episode of the Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by The Calling Code, a 10-day online course that features a God-centered approach to setting and achieving your most important goals. Save $20 with the promo code PODCAST. Go to donsadler.com slash calling code to sign up. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening.